place already happened. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to the Tell buy edition. <laughs> Welcome to the buy edition of the Under the Dome broadcast. It's nice to be going to the buy at two and two. Um, 500. Yes. I'm your host, Alan Ulrich, and here with my partner in crime, Sean Williams. How are you doing tonight, Sean? I am doing 500. Fantastic, brother. Uh, it, it feels great to not pick up my phone and see Fire Sean Payton trade Adrian Peterson, get rid oh, of Drew Brees, blow it up, and start it over. Yeah, I, I know how you feel about all the trade stuff. I'm not going to go there tonight. First of all, uh, right out the gate, as always, we want to thank Fan First Productions for being our sponsor and keeping this show rolling. Uh, we want to invite everyone to join us and subscribe on iTunes and on YouTube to our personal channel. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Under the Dome Podcast, Twitter at Under the Dome PO1 Show, and at JB Pinto three for our media mogul, Mr. John Pinto. Seventy-nine at seventy-nine Saints for my esteemed colleague, Mr. Alan Ulrich, and at Drew's Dad 3721 for myself. Uh also something that we we've just recently done and started. We want to invite everyone to participate with us on our Facebook page on game day. We have a new game thread that we're doing. We, uh, John Pinto put this together and we've done it for two weeks now and we want to see it expand. If you want to hang out with us during the game, complain, throw stuff, uh, throw stuff. <laughs> this way uh but anyway you want to hang out with some guys that uh that love talking about the game and the players and what's going on with us you're you're always welcome gets ugly and then it's every man for himself um also our birthdays for this week uh our buddy from hudat in new york city and I'm fixing to butcher his last name, and I hope he forgives me. Rosvoglu, uh, <laughs> Chris, brother, I'm how, so how sorry. How did you say that, guys? How did you just butcher this man's name? You're going to make me say it again now. Yeah. Rosvoglu. Yeah, hooked on phonics works for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'm about to get texts now. Yeah. But uh, his birthday was yesterday, along with buddy of mine and long, long-time friend, Lynn Paulson. And very special to my heart, uh, Carol Nash. She's married to uh, to Mark Nash, uh, a long-time friend of mine. And I want to take just one brief moment to uh, say hello to, uh, to my big brother. Mark Jones, he uh, he's he's watching tonight. Thank you, brother. Uh, nice to have you along for the ride. He's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, but he he's gonna follow us as well. Okay, 
all the bills being paid, all, all the uh, stuff out the door. I want to introduce our very, very special guest tonight. You've seen this guy on Fox TV. You've seen this guy on CBS TV. Uh, on, I've seen him on every Saints broadcast that <laughs> that that's happened preseason, during the season, the whole nine yards. He is one of lovingly referred to as the super fans, uh, and his. His name is Barry, that fireman, Mathurin. And one thing I want to say going into this, uh, I had respect for Barry uh, personally already because of, and as we will get into momentarily, the work that these super fans do on behalf of the this fan base. At, but... Right now, I think that it's very important to acknowledge that uh, Barry is also a member of the law enforcement community. And right now, the, the, the biggest heroes in the world are first responders. Based on what we saw in Las Vegas uh, and other things, going back, Katrina... Uh, Irma, uh, all these things. There's no world like a first responder. And I want to commend our, our friend here, Barry, for being one of those. Uh, although I, I, knowing him as well as I do, I know that he doesn't consider himself to be a hero by any stretch of the imagination. But I, I want to salute your service uh, as a first responder, Barry, and acknowledge that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for that warm welcome. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't consider I don't, myself a hero, but uh, you know, not only am I, I'm a twenty-year veteran law enforcement officer, I'm fifteen years in as a volunteer firefighter, uh, and I do both of it. Uh, both professions from my heart. Um, firefighting is actually my first love. Uh, so I, I, I became a, a volunteer firefighter back in 1992. And but prior to that, uh, you know, I, I grew up diehard Saints fan from the moment I, I was born. And I could back then, you know, Saints weren't doing so well, and a lot of times, for some reason, we had New York Jets games that were being shown while the Saints were playing. You know, their games were blacked out. So, I I got a little transistor radio up to my ear, listening to the, to the Saints, listening to Archie and the boys, and I'm watching the Jets games on TV. Well, there was always this guy, Fireman Ed, I believe they call him. Yeah. He was always the one you saw in the stands, and, and they, you know, firefighter. You know, I just I was enamored with with firemen. I mean, my, my dad was a firefighter, so I grew up in the fire service, and I just thought that was the coolest thing. Wow, this this guy's got a fire helmet on, and it's got the New York Jets on it. 
So I said, you know what? That's going to be me one day for the Saints. Now, like I said, I, I, I was just a little kid then, and, and you know, that, that was something little kids think, you know. Yeah, you know, that's going to be me one day. Well, you fast forward uh, 30-some-odd years, and you know, my, my brother-in-law, the late, great Saints Fed, uh, a lot of people remember Saints Fed. He, he dressed up as a Star Wars bounty hunter, and he, he was at every home game for years. He passed away in 2014 uh, from heart failure, but he is the reason why I'm a super fan. Uh, he's the reason why I came out with the character. He kept encouraging me to kind of dress up and you know, come out to the game. You know, come. This is a lot of fun. Come meet the fans, and, and you know, you got to get a character together, and we're, oh, we're going to have a blast. And my response to him was, you know, I'm I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm married, wife, and two kids. So I don't have the kind of money to, to go. And I mean, those, his outfit cost him over a thousand dollars. And, you know, all that's custom-made stuff. It's custom-fitted for him, so it's a lot of money. I said, look, I just don't have that kind of money, you know, With, with, with when you become an adult and you're married and, you know, you, you got responsibilities. So, uh, you know, and be, being a public servant, y'all, y'all know we don't make a lot of money. <laughs> so yeah. I, I told myself, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, I stopped playing dress up when I was a kid and just left it at that. It, and it never even occurred to me at the time to do it, to, to, to create a character. You know, I just, eh, you know, I'm glad you're having fun. Good luck. Enjoy yourself. But that's not for me. Well, curiosity started getting the best of me. So in 2009, I said, all right, I'm not going to go all the way in like he did. But what I'm going to do is I have my fire helmet, and I'm going to go ahead and wear my fire helmet to the game. I'm going to get it custom painted. In fact, let me show it to you real quick. This is the very first helmet that I wore in 2009. And I got some signatures on it. I see that. I got uh, looking like it's coming out backwards on here. But this is a Super Bowl helmet. I wore it for the first time in 09. And I retired it um, in 2014 because it's it's just special. But that year I was able to make. Maybe it's time you bring it back. Yeah, maybe. Uh, look, if, if we go, yeah. we start doing good. Hell, I, I'll bring it back. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I, I made just about every home game that year, and and I was, you know, the, the glory year. So, following year, I added the face paint. It was just my my costume, my character was that fireman, but. It was just a helmet and a Saints jersey. In 2010, I made a few away games, added the face paint, and and that was it. Well, 2014, uh, Saints Fed got really sick. 
the night that we set the all-time record for most first downs against the Dallas Cowgirls, he was at that game, and he, against advice from medical professionals, he went to the game anyway. When he got home, the internal defibrillator he had in him started shocking him, and he he was brought to the hospital. That's the last game he ever got to go to, but Hey, that was a hell of a game, though. Uh, a couple of months later, we, we yeah. went into heart failure, and I, I, it was it was heartbreaking, very hard to deal with. He was only thirty years old, but he he touched so many lives by being a super fan by putting on that outfit. We gave him a black and gold funeral, just the way he would have wanted it. We had uh, one of the trumpeters that actually goes around the dome and plays the trumpet and the drums with their little house band. He came to the funeral and played when the Saints go marching in as as we went from the parlor to to the chapel. Um, You know, it it, it was a send-off befitting a Saints super fan. And the super fans actually came to his funeral in costume. We told everyone, Forget the suits and ties and all that. Wear your Saints stuff. Wear, oh, yeah. wear all your Saints stuff to the funeral. So you you got game time. You got Whistle Monster coming in there with the helmet on. And and he, he saluted him like Whistle Monster would, you know, with the whistle. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a beautiful thing. Well, I, I made, made Saints better promise that I, I would pick up where he left off at and – keep his legacy alive and, and just continue his work. So, and that's when I got to work uh, 100% with the costume. I, I knew what I wanted to do. So I went ahead and uh, I was able to get a fire outfit donated to me and, you know, the, the rest is history. Uh, so I'm going into the, this is my third full, full time season as a super fan. And, and, but truth be told, I, look, I, I, I'm just a, I'm just a Saints fan, just like you guys, just like anybody in the Hootet Nation. I, I know more super than, than any of the fans watching. I just dress up in a, in a costume and, you know, I'm just a, I, I just dress differently. The common fans. I've been to a lot of Saints games. Ain't nobody ever pointing the camera at me, brother. <laughs> well, that's all right. You know, I, I think it's because I dress so. I've never wore gold face paint either. So, but can you get them fired up, baby? Like I get them fired yeah. up? <laughs> no, I, I I can honestly say that that's uh, you you have answered your calling there. Uh, Absolutely, I've, I've seen you live actually. Uh, a few my, games that I've been to. My favorite thing about wearing this outfit is interacting with the fans. I can watch the game at home. I absolutely love interacting with the fans in Champion Square. Uh, that's that's my cathedral right there. And that's where Saints Fett lived at. He couldn't afford tickets to the games. He stayed in Champion Square and watched the game on a big screen and kept the fans fired up. And so 
that's where I feel closest to him, and that's where I had the most fun interacting with with all the fans from from our, our fans and the visiting fans. You know, I mean, it's 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 a beautiful thing. You know, I never got to go to a a, a Saints game until after the Super Bowl season of 09. I think that uh, my wife took me to my very first Saints game. I want to say it was uh, New Year's Day. I can't remember the year, but uh, long story short, Cam Newton's rookie year, the last game of the season, they played in the Superdome. That was my very first Saints game. And first thing that I got exposed to was Champion Square, and the home was never the same after that. Uh, we went in, and Saints just absolutely blew their doors off. That was the game where the Saints set all those team records. Uh, the one that comes to mind immediately, Darren Sproles set the combined yardage record uh 2011. During that. Yeah. Yeah. It's New Year's Day 2012. That's what it was. Happy New Year's. And uh, (laughs) I went, I went to, I want to say five or six games after that. Every time I went, the Saints won. And that was home and in Dallas, as a matter of fact. The way games, uh, the first game that I went to that the Saints lost was in Dallas. Imagine that. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, Barry, I, I know that you do a lot of charity work, uh, you you and all the super fans, and, and you have something very special coming up. Um, yes. Next, a week uh, from tonight, correct? Next Tuesday, a week from tonight. Seven Tell o'clock everyone about that if you want. It's going to be a special edition of the That Fireman Show. Uh, it's going to be live on location at Jaeger's Seafood and Oyster House, 901 South Clearview Parkway in Metairie. That's in the Elmwood Business Park area. Um, it's a show that's going to be dedicated to breast cancer, breast cancer awareness, breast cancer survivors, and on the memory of those that we've lost to this disease. Uh, this is going to be the first time I've ever done anything like this. For the last few years, I was a member of uh, a Saints fan club called the, the Big Easy Mafia. Uh, about a, about a two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago, I decided to kind of lead the Big Easy Mafia and just do my own thing. And so, you know, I've done stuff with them in the past. This is the first First thing I'm, I'm going to attempt to do on my own, uh, it actually started out as uh, I, w- I was just joking with my wife and one of her coworkers. Uh, they had had a bad day at work. They lost one of somebody they worked with had lost a family member uh, tragically. And so they all being as close as they were having a bad day. And I decided to just kind of joke with them a little bit, cheer them up and you know, I'm not going to go into the details with it, but the idea was born. Hey, we could actually, we could actually do something like this. So it's been uh, 
for the last week we've been talking about it. And what I want to do is just invite anybody that has has ever battled breast cancer or if you're currently battling it, you got uh, somebody that's been touched or affected by breast cancer in any way, shape, or form. Um, you got a picture of a loved one that has passed from it. Come out there and help me to honor these women. Uh, just by, by showing unity. Uh, I, I want want us all to to just come together and, and show support to these women. I mean, they, they, I call them warriors because they, they, they in a battle for their lives. Uh, and they got that warrior mentality. Uh, they take no prisoners. They, they, they're going to fight, uh, you know, and, and, and we're going to, we're going to show them support and, and uh, fight with them. So uh, the show, we, we're going to talk a little bit, Saints football. We, we, uh, it's, you know, we got a bye week this weekend, so but we'll we'll look forward to uh, facing the cowardly lions uh, the following weekend, and then we we uh, we're gonna make it a show dedicated to breast cancer awareness. Uh, so. As I told you a moment ago on your show, and don't let me uh, giving you the opportunity to push your show as well there that's something that's very close to me because my mom is a breast cancer survivor and i don't know if i ever told you this or not but uh i'm a colon cancer survivor so these are things that um that are very close to my heart as well and i want to tell you anything that we can do to lend you support give you an avenue of promotion so on and so forth please feel free to reach out to us use our page for your promotion of this event so we can make this uh an incredible success not just for you but for the fighters as well i very much appreciate that uh, in fact this this coming march uh i will i'm the captain of a Saints Superfan team is called Superfans United. And we, uh, this will be my fourth year that I'll be shaving my head. And uh, I got, got a little bit of hair right here. You know, I just, just got it uh, cut on Thursday. Yeah, you see, you, you must have beat me to the punch. <laughs> I did. But this will be my fourth <laughs> year shaving my head to raise money for childhood cancer research. So, in fact, at the show next Tuesday, I'm going to have a 50-50 raffle, and that's the proceeds. Uh, I'm going to put that towards uh, raising money for childhood cancer research uh, for St. Baldrick's. So, um, that's something that uh, – Very. Not everybody was blessed I'm with sorry. a perfect uh, – Head, so you know, some of us actually had to put hair on top of them, right? Hair <laughs> came true, man. Uh, I'll send you pictures off air when I was in my uh, past maybe heyday when my hair was down to my waist and I was pretending to be a rock star. <laughs> 
most people worried about their hair turning gray. Biggest thing for me was my hair didn't turn gray; it turned loose. Wow. <laughs> uh, but Barry, I, in all seriousness and honesty, man, I want to uh, applaud effort that you and all the super fans uh, and I'm friends with several of them like Scott McGowan for example uh, the Joker guys, That's that guy is uh, uh, very very good friend of mine love, love Scott uh, um, actually got the opportunity to, to go to Orlando last uh, this past February with Scott uh, for a super fan I would be scared to go with any Go to Orlando with anybody that looked like he hey, looks in his getup. He, uh, he's, he's not just a joker in costume. He's a joker, man. I mean, we, we had. That's what I'm saying, man. It was an epic He's one of the few people on Facebook that I sit there and go, uh, well, I don't scare, but that guy scares me. <laughs> he is a animal. It was an epic road trip. I mean, we 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 left the North Shore like I think it was twelve or one o'clock in the morning, and drove straight to Universal Studios Orlando. Spent the day just just having a blast, and, and the whole the whole weekend. I mean, we you know we 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 raised money. It was a charity event. It, it was uh, the, the the name of the group. Uh, it was Sports Fans United. Um, I believe Sports Fans United. We, we we just got together as a conference, and you had super fans from Pittsburgh, from the Giants, from Miami, uh, Tampa Bay. We all came together as a family and just. You know, it enjoyed our fandom with each other. You know, it's the thing with with super fans is, uh, you know, 90, 99% of them are all about charity and, and giving back, giving more than they take. You know, with, with me, uh, I make it a, a point to do the, the, the charity. It, it's that, that's. I, I love interacting with the fans, but uh, it, it's the charity work that that I, I look at it as I have a platform. I, I don't look at myself as any better than any other Saints fan because I'm a so-called super fan. I look at it as if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. This gives me a platform, and I feel that it's my duty to use this platform to help others, to bring more notoriety and attention to the different causes that we work with. And it's, I mean, there's so many different charities that I, I work with from year to year. So, and I think uh, that, that, I think that should be applauded. Uh, tell people how they can follow you on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, so on and so forth. Barry that fireman Mathern on Facebook, uh, at that fireman underscore on Twitter, on Instagram. Damn. Uh, check it out. I didn't even know you were on Twitter. I looked for you too, man. I, I'm on there. That fireman underscore. Uh, so check it out. Check out my show Tuesday nights, Facebook Live, seven o'clock. 
uh, you know. And, and Barry, uh, one more time, remind everybody uh, the date and time and location of your, your uh, event with Jaegers. It's going to be next Tuesday, a week from tonight, uh, October 10th, <clears throat> 7 o'clock, uh, RSVP me on Facebook, or I have an event page uh, listed for the, the special edition of the Dat Fireman Show. You can go in there and hit going if you're going to be there. Uh, just I'm trying to get an idea how many people is going to show up. So what it is that the restaurant is, that's a slow night, and so they normally don't have the, uh, the right amount of staff that's going to be there. If we end up getting a lot of people that's going to make it, then they're going to have to know something ahead of time. Sure. Uh, I understand. So, but yeah, a week from this Tuesday at seven o'clock and, and uh, should be a great event. Uh, look for me on, on uh, you know, Barry, Monday. I have, I have to admit that, um, you know, the way that our show is set up, the way that we've done things for a year plus now, we're about how I could incorporate a super fan into the show. Uh, because normally what we do, uh, obviously for people that, uh, that are regular viewers of our show, we usually bring on a guest journalist from the the team that we're playing here and we we discuss who's going to have the upper hand so on and so forth i i thank god and and please the the brevity of the situation now i thank god for the opportunity to have someone like yourself that represents not only the super fans, but also the first responders in light of, uh, of this tragedy in Las Vegas opportunity to have you on our show at this point in time. We're fixing to rewind, lighten up the mood a little bit and rewind to London. Yeah. Uh, two and two, we a shutout. A shutout of the day. It was a fish fry, baby. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Kick us off, baby. All right. So the first question, <clears throat> is this defense believable? Well, I don't know how believable it will be. Where's my control? Here we go. All I know is that something's happening. I don't know if it's if it's right or if it's clear, but apparently we have a little bit of a defense forming. We sacked up, we sacked two quarterbacks now, four times each. Despite their stop, say, what's that sound? Are we having a finally a good defense for this team? Um, please, please tell me you've got a, a voice, uh, a sound over going behind you. Cause I hear somebody like praying in tongues or something that's driving no, me. No, no, no. That's that is my that is my still in Saigon 
playlist on my Vietnam era music. That was for what it's worth by Butler Springfield. Um, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, for what it's worth. I just I wanted to make sure that I wasn't hallucinating. No, you were not hallucinating. Hey, I was not going to put on the Clash. I mean, I know oh, the episode oh. is called London Calling, but I, oh, I, I. I, I, <laughs> I uh, hey, man, yeah, I, I got to tell you, each week I pick the name of the, sh- I, I choose the name of the show based on an '80s metal, hair metal, rock and roll, whatever. Well, the Clash song. isn't any of that. Clashes uh, new I, I put in dolphins and got nothing. I put in London and this is what came up. So London calls is what we got. Well, at least you got the clash. You didn't pull up the Sex Pistols, so we're all good. Um, all right. Have so basically, heard, going back. Have you heard going of back? T bone. Have I heard of who? Five Star and T bone. They actually oh, absolutely songs for every other NFL team. So whatever team we happen to be facing that week, they have a song that they made about them. Uh, there you go. I will see if I can pull yeah. up the one for the Dolphins. I remember uh, when old Buddy Alberto was around, he had Abdul the tent maker uh, making some Saint songs. Yeah, I, I I remember that, and I think that's kind of where they might have got the idea. Um, I mean, it, it, some of that stuff that it, it really just cracks me up. They, they have, <laughs> it's like, uh, I mean, you just you got to look for them. They're on YouTube, and they have a, okay. a lot of different songs on there. Um, okay. Their their biggest song is Black and Gold Roll Call, and that's that's what we were trying to get the, the Superdome to actually play that instead mm-hmm. of rock. Pretty pretty easy song to get behind. Yeah, definitely get behind. Get the uh, get the scenes front office to pay attention to that. Um, but anyway, let's look, so talk a little bit about. Uh, oh, okay, you got it. So. Hey, yo, this T-Bone here, and I'm coming to you uh, from Miami. Came down here. I'm outside of the uh, Miami Dolphins training facility, uh, hoping to run into a few of the players. Maybe I can get some questions in about the upcoming game. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Um, let me ask you a few questions about the game, uh, if you got a second. What does the Dolphins have to try to help contain Drew Brees and his high-powered offense? <laughs> we going fishing. We going fishing. We going fishing. Ain't no competition. We going fishing. We going fishing. We going fishing. I like that. I like that. Of course, every time you hear, you're gonna have to send me that. <laughs> me, every time I hear a dolphin sound, I start thinking about SpongeBob. But anyway, um. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the London game. You know, this is two weeks in a row. The defense, um, well, uh, you know, that once again, when you deal with the Carolina Panthers and the condition they were in when we played them and the Miami Dolphins, you're not talking about a high-powered, explosive offense. But in the past, our defense has been able to allow 
mediocre quarterbacks have great games. It didn't happen this time. We got a, a critical turnover uh, in, the, in the first quarter by Ken Crawley, and we got four sacks. We, we shut down the running game. Uh, I think we gave up nearly 1,000 yards over the first two games, and since then, against Carolina and Miami combined, we've only given up 422 total yards. So we've cut that number in half. So, yeah, it looks like we're starting to see the defense play together more as a unit. Uh, we're not seeing all the mental breakdowns. Um, Marshawn Lattimore has turned into a star right in front of our eyes. Um, we, are, we are seeing – Good play out of Ken Crawley. We're seeing great pass rushing out of the Saints' front four. We're seeing better linebacker play. So, yeah, it looks like this team's starting to come around a little bit. Um, unfortunately, in this game, the offense didn't show up until the second quarter. I mean, I'm sorry, nearly the end of the second quarter, the beginning of the second half. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was it was ugly. It was like a, I told my wife, I said, this is like watching a preseason game. Uh, all the penalties, every time we had something good going on. Uh, you know, all at its finest. Yeah. Every time we had something good going on, it would call, you know, would have something happen, call it back. And then uh, just, you know, a missed field goal, a snap over the head of Drew, you know, it took away another scoring opportunity. Just a lot of mistakes. But – we, once we got into a rhythm, once we got going, it seemed to be we were a much better team. We were clearly much better than the Miami Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins, you saw all the problems that we saw in Minnesota and against New England happening to Miami. Uh, lousy pass protection. Can't run the football. Dinkin and Duncan. Smoking Jay Cutler with the I don't give a shit look on his face. <laughs> I mean, the whole bit. It, uh, it, it was just one of those kind of games in Miami. You just felt like they had already given up. You know, but as, soon as, as soon as Michael Thomas scored that touchdown, it was like Miami had pretty much given up that game. Um, they just could not get anything going. Except, uh, so. except for Indomitian Sioux. No, he did his normal thing. Yeah, he did his normal thing. Frustrated. He wouldn't hit. to get on the commissioner's list for uh, fines. I don't know if he got there or not. He reminds me of a big bully. You know, every time the Saints have faced him, he he, he hurts his team. You know, he's his own worst enemy. He has anger issues. He, He just... You know, I mean, even my wife watching the game, she's like, who is this guy, Sue? I mean, you know, you could tell that he, he's just uh, kind of a, a, a nasty character. Uh, and, you know, you know it, the thing that sticks out to me so much, former teammates on that Detroit defense uh, a few years ago, and Dominican Sue, fairly. And they were two peas in a pod. They were the same type player. Uh, I wouldn't have give you pee in a boot of his future when he was with the Detroit Lions. And when he came to New Orleans, it was like a night and day difference. He changed. He, he refocused his career. Changed the narrative about him as a player. 
as well. Well, you know, the, the thing with Sue, so because he's not as good as his talent level is, um, so he takes he takes cheap shots, he takes late hits, a lot of cheap all the signs, yeah, all the signs of an undisciplined player. Uh, he knows he should be better than he is, but he's not willing to do the work to become a better player. So, well, to me. To me, it's a little bit different. It's like, okay, I'm going to try my best to play within the rules. Okay, this goes wrong. This goes wrong. We're 14 points down. The hell with it. I'm going to do anything that I can to make an impact on the game. And by that time, it's too late. Yeah. Uh, You know. And that's, to me, being a lifelong student of the game, so to speak, that is the ultimate disgrace for a player. Stoop to that level to try to be impactful for your team. Well, he, he just, he's always been the the the, the one uh, biggest problem you, you you could point at on that team. You know, he, he like you said, undisciplined. He he definitely has anger issues, and when he gets beat physically when he gets beat on the field he lashes out he loses control he 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 needs to he needs to be in some type of uh anger management program you know you want to play angry but you want them to play disciplined and where they're not gonna hurt your team and he seems like he he hurts teams a lot he doesn't play smart he does not play smart football uh, you can, it's you can, thing that- well, within the, within the rules of the game and within the boundaries of a play, you can get your revenge. If you feel like you're getting beat on a play, you can do something to get your revenge, but he doesn't do it. So he does it after the whistle's blown and he gets caught when he gets seen doing it. So, you know, it, it, it's, he, I, I don't like his, I don't like him. I don't like, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want him on my team. Um, I, he, he is he is one of Miami's biggest problems. He is one that every time the Saints have went up against him, we've been able to get under his skin, which is good for us because, like you just said, he always has, has a response, and the refs always catch the second person. So we may do something to antagonize him, but he always falls for it. He's not a very smart player. So, right. you know, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at him. Help us, baby. <laughs> he reminds me, remind me of uh, who was that? Uh, Brad Sanford. Uh, yeah, big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly it. Meanwhile, what we're seeing, I think what we're seeing on offense is we're seeing a change in the guard and we're seeing a much more dynamic young players taking over. Michael Thomas, of course, we saw last year. He just picked up right where he left off. He is quickly becoming one of the best receivers in the NFL. And I think, I said this before the season began, I would be surprised Michael Thomas is not the Saints' first Pro Bowl receiver to go since Joe Horn back in the, uh, you know, Jim Haslett days. 
because I think he's becoming that dominant of a player. Uh, and then we finally started to see Alvin Kamara. Kamara. He says it both Kamara. ways. His mom says it, his mom says it Kamara, and he says it Kamara. Um, I trust him. You start, you, yeah, exactly. You're starting to see him now getting integrated more in the offense, doing the kind of things that we saw Darren Sproles do, that we saw Reggie Bush do. Uh, just so explosive in the open field. And even though it's a three- or five-yard pass, 10 yards, he's getting that first down. A player looks like he's going to bring him down short of the first down, he's able to get small and stretch and get that first down yardage, and that was huge. And I think in the next few games, uh, especially against Detroit and Green Bay, we're probably going to see a lot more of Kamara coming in and catch the ball. You know, of course, Ingram is the bell cow. We saw that again in Miami, even though we didn't get that much success. Productive back as a running back. Uh, So we're going to see a little bit of thunder and lightning between – uh, Ingram and Kamara, which of course leaves Adrian Peterson and that hanging out there. I've been saying this all get go. Kamara brings something to the table that Peterson's not bringing. The yak. No. Exactly. And at the contact. Exactly. He and gets four touches for four yards. I mean, really? You know, so why? Look, I, I was a, a big AP fan. I, I was all about him coming here, and, and, and you know, I'll say you got to give him a chance to get some touches. But when you got Kamara, that's you know, he, he gets hit, and it's he's rolling off those hits, and, and you know, really, you know, I mean, he, he's just you know, he, he's that, his money where his mouth is, and, and getting the yards. Peterson, that's, uh, that's the key. Uh, he's a bust. But, you, you, but you, my you, thing is this. My thing is this. You've got Ingram and you've got Kamara. What is the likelihood in ten week season? What is the likelihood that these guys are going to remain as healthy, as productive 17 weeks as they are through four weeks? You, you need – if you get deal, or excuse me, a prospective uh, opportunity that's too good to refuse to it, but at the same time, you're looking at, at a veteran like Adrian Peterson. He's a difference maker going down the stretch. Whenever your Ingram, whenever your Camara gets nicked up and they're not able to go them in harm's way at less than 100% you use Ingram in that position. Look, he here's the thing about Peterson, and I, I've been saying this for a little while now. Peterson needs to show you that he can get those yards after the after the initial contact. Mike Dettelier was on Monday night, and I listened to him a little bit on WWL, and he was talking about Jimmy Taylor. And when Jim Taylor – came to the Saints back in 67 after all those years as Green Bay's battering ram for the power, you know, the Lombardi power sweep. Um, Taylor came to the Saints saying, you know, I'm in the best 
physical shape I've ever been in my life. I'm ready to go. And he said, what happened was when he hit that first hit, now granted, he's playing behind the Saints, you know, 67 expansion team offensive line. He's not playing behind Jerry Kramer, Fuzzy Thurston, that whole all-pro Hall of Fame NFL line that he's playing behind Green Bay. But he said those first hits that he used to be able to just run right through were bringing him down. And I think that you've seen with Peterson, he gets that first hit. And you go back and look, go back and watch the Super Bowl year, you know, the NFC Championship game in 2009. Go back and look at 2015. You see Peterson get hit, and he slides off that hit and falls forward and gets more yards, or he can push through that hit and get more yards. What are we seeing today? What we're seeing today is he gets hit and he starts to go down. And that's just what happens to older NFL backs. We run the stretch play with Peterson. That was a bread and butter play in Minnesota for him, where he would hit the numbers, turn that corner, and he was gone. What's happening now? As you see him running to the corner, you can see the linebacker get the angle on him, and they can't turn that corner before that linebacker meets him there, and he's stopping him before he turns because he's lost a step. He's not as fast as the outside. He's not as strong inside. So the reality is for Peterson, and this is true about people who are saying, well, we should trade Peterson to the Giants. We should trade Peterson to the uh, Vikings because they lost Delvin Cook. We should trade Peterson to the Seahawks. You know, all these trade scenarios that people are coming up with, those teams see him too. Those teams are looking at Adrian Peterson. Why he sat out there so long saying he's not the Adrian Peterson we saw in 2015. He's the Adrian Peterson we saw in the beginning of 2016. He's the Adrian Peterson we saw declining. And that's the reality of Peterson now. So that is what you figured out. I've told people for the longest time now, Adrian Peterson coming to the New Orleans Saints was a fan. For about 48 hours, because that was the time between when the New Orleans Saints signed him, Alvin Kamara. If yeah. you if the New Orleans Saints don't have Alvin Kamara, all of Kamara's going to Adrian Peterson. Probably. With Alvin Kamara I, I would agree. on our team. Problem is, uh, all the time is undefeated. Yeah, and, and that's that's, uh, that's right. Biggest problem is, you know, it, it's you got a great player, a Hall of Fame player that's at the end of his career, and probably decided to hang around one or too many years too much. So, does that somewhat diminish? Uh, his resume does that d- diminish his the, the, the legacy? By you know, you, no, I, I don't. I don't believe it does. On that, you, you could never, you never knew if Brett was for real going to retire, or how that was going to work. You, you've had these players uh, like Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders still had a lot of gas left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson is on the opposite side of that. He it's just not a lot of gas left in the tank. Ten years is a long time for a running back. 
and a running back only has so many carries in him. Uh, average span, I think, is only three years for a running back. So Deuce, you know, Deuce McAllister, Deuce was five. Sure. Deuce had seven years. He played in the league for seven years, but he had really had five years because 2005 and 2007 were his years he lost due to knee injuries. Um, I'm old enough. I remember seeing O.J. Simpson finish his career with the L.A. Uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm old enough to remember seeing Joe Namath finish his career with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, Eric Dickerson, when he finished his career with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, those were great players, but at the end of their career, they were not the player that they were just two seasons ago. Uh, you, you know, you see that over and over and over again with these great players at State one or two years too long, they end up on another team, and they just can't summon the old magic that they had before. And, I, you know, would happen with Brett Favre, too. And this is not a knock on the Saints for signing Peterson. It's not a knock on Peterson. Happened with Archie Manning. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> with, with one of the fan favorites, Marcus Colston. I yeah. mean, look, he, he was a quiet storm for how many years? But them last two years – you could just see that, you know. He was just quiet. Yeah, well, that Falcons game in 2014, I believe it was, uh, you know, that was when he dropped that that big pass, and I think he either fumbled it or I don't remember exactly what happened. He, I just remember him coming off the sidelines, throwing his helmet down in disgust. And Colston was never the same player after that. He was not the guy that you saw uh, – you know, making getting that separation, breaking those tackles, uh, and it just—it's what happens to guys. You know, and, and it's not. You know what? Not- you know what? The last play that I remember Marcus Colston being involved in—I uh, mean, right off the top of my head, the last play since career that I can bring to mind and visualize was against Seattle. Uh, alley-oop pl- or, um, oh, he threw the pass. Yeah. Yeah. He threw the pass and, and across I, the field. Yeah. I know he played after that. That's not my point. My point is that these guys want to hang on to their prestige. They want to hang on to where they are in the game. And I think that as Barry pointed out, the average lifespan of a NFL running back is three to four years at best. Mm-hmm. You have guys like your Le'Veon Bell. You have guys like your DeMarco Murray um, that transcend that somewhat and, and extend their careers longer, but they're few and far between. Houston has had a decade of being the premier back in the National Football League and to expect that type of uh, – I know this is the, the improper word to use here, but to expect that kind of production out of Adrian Peterson in New Orleans at this point in his life slash career, that's unrealistic. Well, you know – 
I'm uh, this is the last player I'll compare him to, you know, and we'll move on and talk about, you know, some of the other players on the team. But, um, you know, I'm old enough to also remember when we had Earl Campbell here, you know, in 84 and 85. Remember him? And, yeah. Earl Campbell, he was 27 when he came to the Saints. Um, but Bum Phillips had run him down pretty good in 78 and 79 and 80 with the Houston Oilers. So he Did came you just to say he was 87? Huh? He was just 27. Did you old. just say he was 87 when he was yeah, there? 27. 27. Okay. okay. I, I'm sorry. My mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but he ran like he was 87. And, and that, you know, he got on some bad Oilers teams in 82 and 83, kind of let himself go a bit. But the point is, all those years, those punishing runs, just running him and running him, you know, averaging over 300 carries a game, that took its toll on him. It shortened his lifespan. So, Absolutely. yeah, he came in at 27 years old, but he had the body of a 40 or 50-year-old guy. I mean, he just could not get that anymore. And then, you know, the most famous or infamous run he had as a saint, I'll never forget it. He breaks it free against the Atlanta Falcons, takes off for the end zone. No one is around him. And around the 20-yard line, he suddenly pulls his hamstring. He grabs the back of his leg. You see him kind of limp a little bit, trying to run a Falcon safety, runs him down, pops the ball out of his arm, and it rolls out of the end zone for a touchback. And that was the last we saw of Earl Campbell. That was it. And that kind of yeah, that kind of summarized how, what kind of player he was um, at that point. It didn't diminish what he did in Houston. Didn't diminish his career. He was a no. Hall of Fame player, but nothing. He wasn't. Nothing, he wasn't, nothing the that speed Adrian was gone. I'm sorry, I keep cutting. That, no, no, that, that second and a half delay gets us go ahead. time. Yes, absolutely. Nothing that Adrian Peterson does in New Orleans. The the stat that I've heard over the past several days on. Uh, Sports Talk Radio, four carries for four yards. None of that is going to diminish what the the man has accomplished in the first ten years of his his um, his career. He is absolutely, in my mind, he is a first ballot, unanimous choice Hall of Famer. But. We are not talking about the Adrian Peterson of 2005, 2006. And for of right now, this moment in time, this New Orleans Saints team, there really is no place for Adrian Peterson, which is sad because that comes off to the, the un- Please, God, forgive me for this term, but the uneducated fan comes off as Adrian Peterson not being worthy, and it's not that at all. But you have to go with your future. You have to go with what is working for you now. And for the New Orleans Saints right now, that's Alvin Kamara. and It's a young man's game, so it's the young people who are moving in. We just saw Zach Street get put on IR today. Uh, he is – now they say – his offensive line coach is talking about recallable IR, which you can do two players now. Um, but I don't know 
I, I you know, it's eight weeks. Uh, I'm guessing they're thinking if they make a playoff run, they could pull him out, you know, at the end of December, get him up to speed. But I think it's more of a transition period. He's the last one left in the 2006 draft class. So, you know, you got Ryan Ramchak, you know, who's going to be right tackle now because you got Teron Armstead coming back at left tackle for the Saints. So, you know, it's the, it's a transition to the young people. You're, you're going to see a lot more of the youth on the team. Um, much more Von Bell and Marcus Williams in the secondary. Much more uh, Lattimore, Crawley. When Bro comes back, Bro will be in there. Um, you know, it's it, it, they're moving more to the younger linebackers. Before he separated his shoulder, Alex Anzalone, thank you. Anzalone is, you know, is – I know I keep butchering his name. Anzalone. 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 Just call him Anzalone. Thor. Call him Thor. Yeah, Thor. But you see him Thor. coming in. You see, you know, a full commercial in his future. <laughs> I mean, you know, David Anyamata. You, you know, I think uh, we saw um, Hendrickson get a sack, and he even forced a fumble. Um, you know, wow, you see he out. Yeah, you, you're seeing. Yes, he played. He played the last two games actually. Uh, I, but you see much more transition to the younger to the younger players. <laughs> And away from the older players who, in the past, that's who we were trying to build the Saints, you know, to get Drew Brees at one more run. We were trying to do a lot more with, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I had the hiccups all of a sudden, with the Jarius Bird and, uh, you know, Curtis Lofton. And we're bringing in, you know, old veteran players. We brought in, um, you know, Old, older defensive tackles to try and fix the defense. We're bringing in older players to kind of keep uh, give, give him those experienced players to get one more run, the C.J. Spillers and stuff like that. Well, they kind of uh, dump that plan now, and they're bringing in – they're drafting much better, and they're using the younger players. So I think that's what you're going to see a lot more of now as the season unfolds, those younger players playing a bigger and bigger role in the Saints offense, and Alvin Kamara is going to be a big one. That's going to be one of the main ones on offense. This draft class looks like one of the better ones that we've had probably since the uh, 06 class. And, you know, Absolutely. You, it's, it's, it's about time that we, we start seeing that. You know, I, I'm tired of seeing – I mean, we, we keep sending number one draft picks – uh, Stephon Anthony, you know, we sent him to Miami two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yep. We, we've seen they've had a problem in recent years with, with uh, talent evaluation. Uh, the thing that, that frustrates me and, and a lot of Saints fans is, you know, typically we, every year that there's somebody that we bring in, an aging veteran that may have uh, outstayed his welcome wherever he was at, you know, C.J. Spiller, Brandon Brown, or uh, mm-hmm. Peterson now. We, we're bringing these players in that they they just we, – we, we prefer to try to uh, see if they could find the fountain of youth with the Saints and get back to the glory days for them. And they come over here, they don't do squat, and we're out millions of dollars, you know, I mean – 
how, how many years in a row we, we had the uh, the most dead money in the league. Yeah, we definitely. Well, I, I don't I don't know if you know I, I'm not I'm not. Uh, I I just think we we need change when it comes to talent evaluation. Uh, you know, uh, I, but to admit I, that the addition to the to the draft equation for the New Orleans Saints, if you want to call it that, of Jeff Ireland, which go, dates back, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, with the class prior. Correct, Alan? Yeah, 2016 was his first draft class. If you look, scouts, back, look, back, look back at the record uh, with Jeff Ireland, we have, we have basically gone night and day on that. I just think it comes down to with, with, with Mickey Loomis. I, I, I think Mickey just has a little too much on his plate. Absolutely, uh, I agree, one hundred and ten percent. You can only give so much effort to the Saints and so much effort to the Pelicans, and you know you need to be able to be dedicated and give one hundred percent. If if you're going to be a contender. You know, you, we we talking uh, trying to make a run to the Super Bowl. He needs to be able to be one hundred and ten percent focused on doing what's best for the Saints. And year in and year out, we keep bringing in these old washed up players or these has beens. And, and you know, I mean, that's just being blunt about it. But you know. You get tired as a fan of seeing these experiments that just seem like they never work out for us. You know, stop trying to bring somebody in here and let them find the fountain of youth and, you know, go with your younger talent, you know. Well, and I, I think I think what, we, what we're seeing is both of them are tied together. You were talking about bad draft classes. Well, if you're drafting poorly – now you're going to have to try and find veterans to fill in the holes because you're drafting poorly. So you're spending more money on old washed up veterans because you're trying to fill in the misses you've had in the draft class. But since we've had better draft classes now, we're seeing less and less of these bad veterans because yeah, we, you know, Adrian Peterson's one is a, not a, is a bad sign, I guess, but he's really not because he's not the focal of the offense. We have we have it, Mark Ingram, and we now have an Alvin Kamara. So it's not that important that Adrian Peterson does do well. But Larry Warford, the the guard we brought in to replace Jari Evans, he's doing a good job. We're seeing some better results out of uh, AJ Klein. You know, Robertson was a good linebacker signing. You know, we we, we are seeing some things that we're doing right. Um, but at the same time, we're drafting better, so we have better players coming in and filling critical roles that we need to have done, like a Michael Thomas, like a um, yeah, like uh, <laughs> like a uh, like a you know Marshawn Lattimore, like a Ryan Ramchak. You know, you're seeing guys come in instead of having a Bryce Harris out there having to protect Drew. Drew's blindside. You've got first round draft picks coming in, taking these guys' places. So it's a lot better for us than what we're doing. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's. 
I think Jeff Ireland coming on board is a really positive step. Um, you know, we'll see how this season plays out. And then, you know, what happens with Mickey Loomis uh, after that. Um, but um, unless Mickey Loomis has a heart attack, he's going to have a job. Yeah, I, I know. I, I know. Um, but anyway. That's another subject for another time, though. Absolutely. Sean, you wanted to say something? Uh, you had a last word you wanted to talk about? Well, before I get the last word in, I just I want to give Barry the opportunity not only to um, to plug the breast cancer awareness thing for next week, but also plug your show as well. Absolutely. Uh, ne- next uh, next Tuesday, October tenth, seven o'clock, going to be at Jaeger's Seafood and Oyster House, nine hundred one South Clearview Parkway in Metaris in the Elmwood Business Park area. Uh, it's going to be a show dedicated to breast cancer awareness. Uh, you know, get with me on Facebook, RSVP, or go to the event page I have set up. Let me know that you're going to be there. And check out my show every Tuesday night. Uh, occasionally, I'm, I'm on location at Jaeger's. When I'm not there, I'm at that, that fireman studio. Seven o'clock, Facebook Live. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Barry, for joining us. We really appreciate you being on. Uh, it's, you know, it's fun to have a super fan on. Um, you hey, guys are special. Uh, thank you all for having me. Uh, it, it, this was a lot of fun. I, uh, I've been going to Saints games for a long, long time, and I've always said that um, – Saints, excuse me. Saints fans are unique fans. Um, you've got guys that are super fans in other stadiums, but only in New Orleans do you have characters who are super fans, and that's that's the huge difference between us and the rest of the nation. Um, the ones that in, invent, you know, it's like Halloween. Every every Sunday in the door. Before I became a super fan, I just thought we had some really eccentric fans. I didn't realize what what a super fan was. I'm just thinking, man, we really got us some eccentric fans because I never noticed the super fans from the other team. It's got, it's got to be the Mardi Gras culture that we have here. I mean, because I remember in the 2000 playoff game, a guy dresses the devil with icicles hanging off his nose. Uh, because hell froze over for the Saints to win that playoff game. Yeah, you you right. know, and that is the kind of stuff that you don't see in any other stadium. No other stadium will come up with those things, but we do. I'm and it's, for somebody you know, to, to come up with a pig costume with wings on it. Exactly. I mean, we're the kind – Mousy used to dance um, uh, before the fourth quarter does. Uh, up in the stands. You know, and it's just that kind of stuff that you don't see in any other stadium all anywhere in the world. So it's an honor to have you guys, have you on the show, have you guys out there for you to represent the Houdat Nation. As Frank Davis would say, it's just naturally Nolans, baby. There you go. There you go. Thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. You're going to sign off and not even – Again, Sean, you froze. Hear me. Okay. I can hear you. 
Okay, well, this is uh, for all of you young people out there. This is what happens when you don't plug your device in or during the middle of a live broadcast. Uh, to end the show tonight, to uh, to read something that I wrote this morning in a very emotional state. Um, and it's something that's posted on our Facebook page. Uh, I, I don't do speaking off the cuff um, for this. I, I want this is something that's very important to me, and I want you guys to know this. So I'm going to read from the comments that I posted earlier today on our Facebook page. From the staff of the Under the Dome podcast, our thoughts and prayers go out to all those touched by yet another senseless tragedy. I'm at a loss for words. Make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, there are so many things happening in the world right now. It's on every side that stand to get a leg up by bringing divisive rhetoric into the narrative on these actions. I'll say this once and only once. Specifically designed domain for the sole and express purpose of bringing people together. Focused on the Saints, obviously, but we have many fans from many teams and are all welcomed here. One team and all teams. Please, please, please let us here be an example. Despite those that would strive to separate and divide us, we will not be turned on one another. This world is not a perfect place, especially now. But as long as we lit, we stick together, there's always the possibility of fixing it. Prayers for Las Vegas. Prayers for America. God bless you all. And who that baby. So much for joining us and being a part of what we do. We are nothing without the support of you guys. Our thoughts and prayers go out to all of those affected by what's going on elsewhere right now, Las Vegas, so on and so forth. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Very thank much, you. Barry, for being a part of our show. We're, we're here for you, brother. Anything that we can do to help you out with what you've got going on, please don't hesitate. Thank you so much. Thank you. I look forward to talking with you in the future. Any, anytime y'all want to know, let me know. All right. Absolutely, Barry. Thank you very much. And thank you, Sean, for those words. And on that, we wish you a good night. Enjoy the bye week. We'll be back next Tuesday and Under the Dome. We will preview the Detroit game. Um and uh, hopefully we, we get to preview, we get to review another Carolina loss, another Falcons loss, a Buccaneers loss. That's always fun to talk about. So we'll see you next time under the dome. Good night, everybody. Who that? <laughs>